What's up, Melanated family? So this is your brother Harris, the man, back for a brand new episode of the Melanated Convo Podcast. I'm so happy to be back for a new year, family. I took a took a few months off, you know what I mean, just to get my business right, just to get my mind right. You know what I mean? I thought I owed it to myself to take a few steps back so I could take even more steps forward. So I'm happy to be back today. If this is your first time listening to or watching the Melanated Convo podcast, we do a few things here. We try our best to intrigue the audience by having guests from our community that can not only inspire you, but also empower you, family, and give you information, give you tools that you can use in your day-to-day lives. We also do our best to um, um, have detail-oriented conversations that are unapologetic about everything that goes on in the Melanated community. And like I said, family, I've been off for a few months. I'm so happy to be back. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button so you can become a member of the tribe. And on today's show... Um, you know, this is a brother that 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 has gained a lot of popularity in my city. Um, I want everybody, um, I want to introduce everybody to Kanok Israel, who is the owner of Israel Urban Family Farms here in the Sacramento area. Let me bring the brother on right now. How you doing, Kanok? Hey, how you doing today, Harrison? Good. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. And this is um, and like I said, everybody, this brother has a farm here in the Sacramento area. And before doing the interview, you know, I, I did myself a service and actually went to the farm and I was able to see just how his process works. You know what I mean? And, and get a lot of information about how he started in Canoke, man. I, I have to tell you now, I know that because of the season that we're in, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of the things that you grow may not have blossomed the way that it would be in certain parts of the year. But I still was able to get a clear picture of what you guys do there, man. And I was impressed, brother. Well, thank you so much, you know, and it, and it really just speaks to what you just finished saying, how you took the time off in the season to get your get your get your business right, because mm-hmm. that's what that's that's what farmers do during the wintertime is mm-hmm. we stop and we plan for the next season. So, you know, I've been doing the same thing, too, as well. And, you know, that's it's a, it's a very good self-care practice to take the wintertime uh, when everything, you know, is, is going on outside and then come back inside the house and spend time, you know, usually that's when people are inside, it's warm, you got fireplaces going, and then you can build those uh, connections within the family, those types of things. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I didn't even think at, think of it from a seasonal standpoint, but you're right, you know what I mean? And, and it's, never, um, it's never a bad thing to take that route, because it's just like you said, it's a self-care thing, but sometimes the way I was looking at it, Kanok, when you're right in the middle of attempting to do something, that's creative or something that you haven't done before. Sometimes you can't see the mistakes. Sometimes you can't see um, the errors that you could be making because you're right in the thick of things, taking that step back to take a look. It gives you a better purview, you know, so you moving forward, you can make better decisions. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now tell everybody, man, let's, let's go back because you told me um, as far as the creation of the Israel Farms, or actually, before we even go there, you mm-hmm. grew up in Sacramento, just like me, right? Grew up in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Been, here all part- so, been here your whole life. Yeah. So where you came, that area, I've been there for probably about 35, 40 years. Okay. And you said your parents were there first. Now, yeah. something I don't remember talking to you about. Now, was your dad a farmer? No, he was not. But he grew food when I was young. 
And so, you know, if we start there, let's just start, you know, let's start back, uh, you know, the great, uh, the great migration. So my dad is from Waco, Texas. Um, his dad, of course, my grandfather, uh, you know, was from Waco, Texas. They, you know, he's met his wife, um, Ruby Deckard. They moved out here probably in around the fifties. Uh, they went to the Bay area first. And then uh, after a short stint there in the Bay Area, they then came to Sacramento. So that was right around the 60s or so. And uh, of course, you know, if I go back three generations, four generations, everybody on both sides of my family were farmers, either land only farmers or farm hands. And so, you know, my dad, when I was young, he used to grow food in the backyard. I remember it clearly. I mean, where's that picture? I mean, I got the picture. It sits on my desk all the time and my dad holding these big tomatoes in his hands. But the thing is, is that when I was young, I wasn't paying any attention to it. Or so I thought I was I was just like, Dad, I don't want to do this. I want to go outside. Uh, My dad used to go and pick uh, wild greens from local lots. And I would, you know, Uh, one time at one point he was he was over in Metaphew for a little while. And I used to try to hide in the car when he was doing this because I was like, Dad, I don't want anybody to see us because people will think us think we're poor if we're picking yeah. food from a lot. You know, I got you know, I was all, all, all on, on that type of situation. But, yeah, my dad grew food in the backyard and and, you know, he grew tomatoes, he grew cucumbers, he grew different things. And so I was exposed to that as a young child. Wow. OK, that that makes a lot of sense. So, of course, um, you mentioned to me that in 2011. Tell everybody about that process of deciding to actually leave corporate America um, and pretty much, you know, start like we were talking about your own little revolution there with your family as far as your farm and everything is concerned. Okay, so so I mean, we probably have to go. Let's go back a little bit further before before 2011, because that's when I decided to quit my job. Mm -hmm. But but let's go back to maybe like about 2000, maybe when I started the job, you know started working the IT department. Um, of course, during that time, um, you know, I was in a, in a field that, you know, most people um, that looked like me were not able to get into. And it was because of another situation where my dad bought me a computer when I was very young and had me tinkering on it. So when the computer age came, I was like, I knew how to deal with computers. And so because of that, I was able to get a job at, at, at a place called Verizon Wireless. You may all know about it. And so that I when I got that job, it was right when phones were just getting on the Internet. Remember when the flip phones and they used to just get on the Internet in 2000. And so at that time, we were uh, informed of the future of computing, which was these phones that we now call smartphones. Mm -hmm. And so between all of those things, spiritual beliefs, all of that stuff, when 2008 came and the crash came, I was like, okay, this is the end of the world. So I need to do something now to put myself in a position to take care of myself in the future. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the way I'm going to do it is by learning how to grow food. And, and it was from that there that that was the impetus for me to drop everything else and focus on doing this. Um, and then, and then from there in, in, you know, doing that in the backyard with the family gardening cooking uh becoming more self-sufficient you know learning about herbs that are growing in your yard that most people dig up and throw away that are actually edible you know all of those different things learning how to can uh you know making olives and 
you know, just on and on and on, all these different things that can be done at home, on your land, in your backyard. You know, now, <laughs> real, real quick, bro, when you talk about a lot of, because you just mentioned like certain uh, uh, plants that may have nutrients that we're throwing away or that we can yeah. actually be using to heal our bodies, all this type of thing. Now, what what is some misconception about the process? Because I think when we look at, especially people in our community, and I think we touched on this a little bit yeah. when we spoke before, I think some of us think the process of actually growing something that's edible mm -hmm. either takes a long time or um the setup they have in their house in their apartment their backyard whatever they may have available to them they may think that you know they don't have enough room or what they're working with isn't enough that's like a misconception right oh definitely it's a misconception i mean what we've been able to do we've taken you know you, you get wine barrels you can cut them in half you can take four wine barrels and you could comfortably with those wine barrels of course you're going to have to have some sun so you're probably not going to put them inside your apartment but that's you know that's another story because you can still grow something if you got a, a a window that faces the sun you can still get some stuff grown if you want to so that's another story but four wine barrels in the sun somebody's backyard of course you got to water them you can grow enough food for at least two people hmm. and i'm not talking about like everything that you ever want to eat but yeah if you want some lettuce some tomatoes some collard greens some kale uh, you know, and you want to go out there and be able to pull a few salads out of there as well as have some herbs if you want to put some chives on it or if you want to get some, you know, thyme or some, you know, yeah. mayorum or any of those types of herbs that you want to season your food, rosemary. You could do that very easily in your backyard with not a lot of, you know, effort other than making sure the thing stays watered. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Because that's something that I've always thought about you know because when we look at some of the communities that we grew up in Canoke, like it, it's we were talking about um how it's considered a food desert right yeah yeah but when you look around and you have nature available to you like how can it be a food desert when you can grow your own stuff right absolutely um and, and you know those are all created conditions by redlining and other things that you know been going on for for years Mm -hmm. But yeah, so yeah, if you think about, let's think about the city of Sacramento. The numbers may have changed because, you know, they change at times. But the last time I checked, there was about anywhere from 10 to 15 acres of vacant land in the city just sitting there. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's not just as simple as, yeah, let's go get it and put some seeds on it. But the thing is, is that there's all kinds of empty spaces like that people's backyards, people's front yards, you know, on the on the, uh, you know, porch where, you know, food can be grown. So it's mm -hmm. it's 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 the idea of are we going to grow our own food? Are we going to grow our own destiny? Are we going to do for ourselves or are we going to let somebody else feed us um, when we know that the food is not good? That's a fact. That's a fact. Now, talk to me about like your farm since the inception because i know by now um you guys have expanded and you guys have other farms and now you have livestock and you, you know you're you're definitely expanding and doing things much bigger but yes, talk to me about like how um how did you begin to like cultivate what you're doing with the community because that's how i found out about you not yes, by sir. ever coming to the farm right by of course seeing you guys at a at events but i just mm -hmm. began hearing about it um, from everybody. So when did everything like take off as far as 
Sacramento as a whole becoming aware of what you guys are doing and, you know, acknowledging that? Um, okay. So let's say about maybe about 2009, 2010, because at that point I had been growing food in my backyard. And, and the way that I would in, involve the household, my children, everybody, um, you know, we have a mixed family. So, you know, there would be children that would come on the weekends and what have you and those types of things. Mm -hmm. So I was like, here's what we're going to do. Every Sunday, we're going to get up in the morning. We're going to work in the garden. After we work in the garden, we'll harvest the food out of the garden. We'll meal plan with that food, cook a meal and then eat outside. It was mm -hmm. just that that's what we started doing and so every sunday was that i mean it even got to the point my neighbor used to have like this big pecan tree and it would drop like a hundred pounds of pecans right in my backyard man i bought this little motorized pecan picker and it would be sunday mornings right around this time too because this is when pecans are ready we'd be all sitting around the table and all the children would have and, and you'd have to put like one nut in it like every like every 10 seconds because it would so you you know people would be it was just you know something that we would do around the table and it was from that that i noticed changes in the way that we related with each other the way that we dealt with each other and on and on the children were cooking uh so so four-year-olds five-year-olds have those plastic uh what are they safety knives yeah. right so they're learning how to cook um already at three four five six ten eleven twelve and so now they're connected to the land people change when you do those things so it was from those different experiences that we had that in 2010 2011 when left the jobs it was like we're going to use the urban farm to do this and that's to expose people to nature in a way that helped us when we did it so then Makes we started sense. yeah so you know so then that morphed into uh helping people learn how to garden building gardens mm. and you mentioned something to me about you guys have actually planted certain gardens around the old park area as well right yes yes we had a uh yeah so we, what we did is there was a grant that we got from um um uh from sac uh sac hub and that grant was to build gardens in you know the oak park community so that's what we did so you would call us we'd come out take a look at your space see how you know if you wanted to get a garden then we would come in we would invite volunteers in and within a day usually a saturday we would build a garden from scratch in somebody's backyard complete with plants composted we'd have a big lunch with everybody and then you know after we're done everybody would leave and we did that about 40 or 50 times wow wow now it's funny because, you know, when I look around the city, I'm sure there may be some other farmers besides you guys, but I haven't heard of too many other ones. And it's so funny, just like this, the, the, how we've been shut out of everything and how they've kind of rewrote history to a degree. Mm -hmm. Some black folks aren't even familiar, Kanoke, with the fact that, you know, we, we were some of the first gardeners. We, we were some of the first farmers to a degree, yeah, right? Man. You were, you were giving me some good information about that. Tell everybody about some of the history um, involving just, just black folks and farming in America. Well, I mean, you just need to go to Africa. 
Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, you know, at the at the at the same time, you know, at some point we had to learn to take care of ourselves, and we did that from the land. Mm -hmm. And of course, it was during those times where we went from hunter gatherers, where we were moving around a lot, to what we call now agriculture, which you know is more of a settled type of thing. So you have to be in one place for a long period of time to be able to grow a bunch of corn, to be able to grow a bunch of wheat and those things. And so even during those times, our diets changed, um, which is, you know, some of the new diet fads that come out, try to replicate that. But we started to grow crops and we started to domesticate crops. And so it was it was it was part of our culture to do those things. I mean, it, there's just no, you know, there's no other way to really describe it. It's not even really has to be complex. It started in Africa, just like everything else did. Definitely, definitely. And, yeah. you know, you were giving me a little bit of the science behind the business of farming, right? Like something that sticks out to me, because I think some of us are also under the misconception that if, you know, because of course, I believe if you're going to be a farmer, gardener, do all of these things, there has to be love in it, right? Just like when you're cooking something, I think it should come from a place of love to make sure things are done correctly. But yes. you were telling me about like, for instance, like a fig tree. And, you know, oh, yeah. these trees take a while to actually grow. But once yeah. they actually grow, you were telling me that the upkeep is minimal because in my mind, I'm thinking, OK, for certain trees that have fruits and things we're going to eat on them, you have to water it a lot, like the entire life of the tree. You have to put it a certain place. But you were telling me like fig trees, you don't necessarily have to water it, not that much upkeep, but it can be extremely profitable, right? Oh, definitely. So uh, fig trees, you know, anywhere from four to seven years to start bearing fruit. But once they bear fruit, um, you know, and of course, before they get into their, you know, their prime. Um, but the tree that we had that we were talking about, it gets about anywhere from mm, 60 to 90, sometimes 100 pounds, depending on the year worth of figs. And if you go to the store, figs are, you know, $10 a pound. Uh, usually. And then if you want to buy fig jam, you might you may even pay pay more than that. So the idea that's one that's one tree. So with with no watering other than the water that comes from out of the ground, I mean, off out of the air and seeps into the ground and me being there to harvest and then having the skill to turn that harvest into a product, that's a thousand bucks. Wow. Wow. You know, and, and so 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 when you think of an orchard, a fig orchard, you're probably going to have at least 50 to 100 trees. Of course, now the scale of what you have to harvest and what you have to process is going to be more. But. Do the numbers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we're in California, so 14 billion dollars a year or more, and it grows every year worth of products. I mean, raw produce comes out of the Central Valley. Mm -hmm. every year so you know it's one of those things of it's very profitable um yeah it's very profitable and that's what i was seeing man but a, another large part of my trip to the farm so everybody if you're just tuning into the show um mm -hmm. i'm talking to my brother kanok israel who is the creator of the israel family urban farm here in sacramento um, we're just talking about the benefit of, of, of eating the correct way, but also knowing that you could possibly grow your own food. You know what I mean? And this brother and his family is doing a great job with that. But you were also giving me the science of some things because I was aware, right, Kanok, that because mm -hmm. we were speaking about me having dogs, right? And sure. now that I have dogs, growing up, there was a, um, um, 
like a misnomer when it came to animals in my neighborhood, just to be honest. We just like ran from dogs. We thought dogs was trying to bite us. We didn't know the language because most of the people we knew, if they had a dog, it was in the backyard. So they wasn't right. treating the dog like a part of the family. So now yeah. I know if you give a kid a small animal and they take care of it correctly and they, and they tend to the animal's needs, this can transfer over in just how they treat humans and how they treat other things, right? Give me the science on the plants because you were you were giving me a lot of good information as far as how growing a plant or harvesting a crop is very similar to, to harvesting a relationship, maintaining a relationship, right? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, when 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 I have tours at the farm, um, we always talk going to the area of composting, right? And, mm -hmm. and you know, for for those that are listening that may have it may be a new term, composting. You take your stuff that you usually would throw away, kitchen scraps, leaves, things of that nature, put them in a pile, pile heats up. Um, you had water, you know, different things like that. Bacteria and stuff comes in and, and, and they do some things. And then it turns into eventually something that you put back into the soil that will enrich the soil, right? Mm. And so uh, if you think about growing something, right, it takes nutrients for plants to grow. And so when you eat a plant, you're, of course, getting nutrients, but then you're taking those nutrients from the earth. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, back in the days, you know, what you would do is then you would go to the bathroom and you would usually go to the bathroom somewhere on or in the earth. And then those would be reabsorbed back. So there would be the cycle that would take place. And so for now, we don't really do that. So what we're talking about is a give and take. So when we get into the composting area, I'm like, OK, this is our way of giving back to the earth. We're taking the things like, you know, we would throw away, turning that into compost and then putting back nutrients so that when it's time to take again, the nutrients are there in abundance. And so there's this relationship that's created between you, the earth, the seasons, uh, the sun, moon, stars, all those different types of things. And each one of those things needs a certain type of thing. So I was just saying that, you know, if you were to have a person or a young person, young man, young woman, to take care of things, learn how to grow plants, learn how to take care of animals, then they become uh, unselfish and they're able to serve something other than themselves. Other than themselves. Damn, right. bro, that's such a powerful concept, especially in today's time when we yes. have children and we were like, we were talking about the, the, the cell phones and all of the technology that are at the fingertips of our children. It's making them even worse human beings to a degree because now they're only thinking about themselves. They're only blocking themselves with the 15, 20 seconds they have on whatever phone clip they're looking at. But they're looking at a lot of content that's really about me, me, me. Like every, the music they're listening to, the yeah. images that pop up on the phone, you know, everything is about like self aggrandizement. So when, when we have children and they grow up, of course, we want them to be the type of individuals to look after somebody that's homeless, look after somebody that's in their family, like yeah. see an animal and want to care for it. But what you're right. saying to me, is like, yeah, we can teach these things by doing it in our family space and in our home, but we can also teach by giving our kid a plant or something from nature and allowing them to become one with that because if they can do that then they can do that with anything that's anything that's living right 
Well, yeah, because it's about when you when you think about what you're doing when you're growing growing food or even farming or whatever whatever you're creating an environment. The, mm. the plants don't need you there to grow. Things grow without humans. But but if you want to be a part of the process, then you have to contribute to the process in order to get the fruit, right? Mm. So 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 just like in the thing of a fig tree, you have to be willing to take care of something with no return for several years for several years and because yes this can be taught to children who then end up to be adults right but yes. when we were having our conversation i was even thinking look if a man can you know some some of our brothers didn't have fathers or weren't in situations where they seen um, how a man should operate in a household for whatever reason, right? I was yep. thinking, damn, if we have a brother in this situation, one of the core ways that we can teach him this is by giving him a plant to grow, giving him, giving him something to harvest because you was telling me, which was like, it blew my mind, man. He was like, damn, I know how to treat my woman because I know what she needs based yep. on the fact when I'm harvesting something, if there's a plant, you have to be real keen and patient and understanding to kind of know what direction to go into, right? Your, your powers of observation become stellar. You can see everything happening all the time because, you know, you're responsible for, for, I mean, you know, back in the days, you know, there was no grocery stores. So if you mess that up, your family starves, mm. you know, so, so it was like, you can't mess up, you know, you'd have to be, totally engaged in that particular process in order to get the get the fruit and so you know they even have you know if you think about the five percent nation of islam the gods and earths where mm -hmm. you know the male is the masculine principle and then the female is the feminine principle as the earth and so when you think about you know any type of you know holy book you're gonna find all different types of references about nature about plants about you know the relationships of the animals to the universe and seasons mm -hmm. and all those different things because it was it was it was the ancients idea that they were going to replicate what they saw happening in nature and in the universe on the or on the earth which they saw as morality definitely definitely and it just reminds me of getting out what you put into something because you were giving me some correlations about um even livestock chinook as far as uh giving a, a a breast milk opposed to like synthetic milk how it affects um a, a young sheep or what have yeah. you, you know? oh yeah i could tell you about that all day long i mean i've got i just had seven sheep lost one um but but the six that made it two of them are bottle fed the rest of them are, you know, moms and the two that are bottle fed, their moms abandoned them, meaning that they just were like, no, I don't want you around me. So so they don't have anybody to feed them. So I have to feed them, you know, using a bottle and their their weight. They don't gain weight as fast. They cry a lot more. Um, they're subject to what is it? What can I call it? Um, where they think I'm their family. You tell me right? that. Yeah. <laughs> they think like I'm your mom. No, I'm not your mother. I'm I'm a human. They don't. So they're confused about who they are and who who's their friends and who's not and who they should be going to for certain things. So yeah, and, and then yeah. of course you know 
that means that their growth will be stunted because that 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 breast milk is is the best thing for them. Now the other hand, there I got two that had a one sheep that had twins. Mom took them in, very vocal, always making sure that they're around. Man, they're already about to be weaned at thirty days. Damn, damn, that just shows already they're already already eating grass <clears throat> because they spend all the time with mom. Mm -hmm. watching what mom does so they're like okay when mom says no no more milk they're like okay well i can just go do what my mom does so now they're learning how to eat and they're already eating you know grass and stuff like that that's so important these, man yeah these principles in nature are played out so then we have okay we don't breastfeed our children or uh when children are born we take six weeks and then we go and put them in daycare um it does something Wow, that's important to to cover because um, sometimes when you put it in that simplistic form, because animals, you know, animals don't have a religious base. They don't have a right or wrong perspective based on the world we live in. Everything they're doing is just natural. And that just shows a lot of times as humans, we just go away from what naturally should be. And you can physically see how the sheep is being affected Um by these changes and really being stripped away from their family being being stripped away from what traditionally should be happening and you can see the effects right away i think the problem is sometimes yeah. when humans can up you can't see it as keen like it's like it, yeah. you, you can't see it as much as you think so you don't know if it's happening or not you know what i mean well yeah so so yeah because you know just for me when my children were young um they were homeschooled um up until probably around what fifth grade sixth grade um and 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 at that point at in my opinion they were the best children that you could ever think of you know and in my opinion but after once they went back to public school within months there's all these things that came back so so imagine children being raised that don't watch tv uh that were being homeschooled they're not getting a traditional european education mm -hmm. you know they're seeing black pictures of of people around them all the time in school. So they have a different a different orientation. And then they go to school and then they're coming back with all these things that come back, you know, uh, from this or, and then of course, when you add cell phones to the mix, it's a whole different thing. So, yeah. Wow, that, wow. And, and all of this is important, everybody who's listening, because sometimes we take for granted um, how simplistic things used to be. Like, I think the world is gradually getting worse when it comes to a lot of things, but we, but technology and just evolution has introduced um, a lot of things that just makes it hard for all of us. And, and these yeah. children, because you were also telling me, you know, about your daughter going, being homeschooled, right? And then once she actually goes to school, because she was homeschooled for, for so long, yeah. she was at home long enough to get an identity like to get an identity based on your family. And sometimes yep. we never give kids the opportunity to do that because like you mentioned, once they're nine months or whatever, we're putting them in daycare, then they're at school for eight or nine hours a day. So when are they getting that time to actually know who we are and build some type of foundation that's worth keeping? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and you know, they, of course, it's not our fault. You know what I mean? You know, it, it, you know, it's not our fault. We were, we were formed this way. 
by someone who put us in a certain type of environment, knowing what it would do to us and make us start to act in these unnatural ways. Right. Definitely. So it's so so that's that's one thing we have to make sure that it wasn't our fault. We were just like I was talking about before public school, before America, right? <laughs> we were a totally different group of people uh, in all intents and forms. So, so, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we have to just kind of think about because as we think about our future and as we think about the world that's, that's getting more complex and more computerized and, 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 and there's more uh, traps out there and there's more access to everything in the world, we have to really think about how we're protecting our children. Because back in the days it was, you just keep them in the house. Keep them in the house, keep them on the block, right? Yep. And, and that was good enough. <laughs> now you can have a child that you keep in your house and they don't go nowhere, but they got a phone and they got a TV and they have all these things. And now they've got a proliferation of voices in their head, like, 50,000 different voices for every little single thing that drown your voice out. That's what so you were you saying. That makes sense. That makes sense. And having your daughter at home until seventh grade, like you were saying, the primary voice in her head was yours. The primary verse, uh, voice in her head was her mother. So when it came time to make decisions or kind of go to a particular path, the voice of right and wrong was yours opposed to some instagram star or opposed to a teacher friend. a friend because they're these children's peer group is oh. really what we need to be concerned about you know what i mean because birds of a feather um they always say you know birds of a feather flock together and sometimes that's not the case but there's just a lot of truth to that sentiment that you become what you're around you know what i mean Definitely, definitely. You become become uh, what you're around. And that's, you know, like I said, you know, these are these are things that we probably can't solve, you know, in, in our conversation here. But it's it's good to understand one that. Black people being in agriculture is not slavery, right? At one point, we owned 15 million acres of land in the United States. And so we were doing very good agriculturally, but over a period of time, the great migration, other things that took place, um, we gave up that life uh, for the North and the industrial type jobs that we then started to have, which then not only stopped us from being able to do agriculture that we were doing before, but then also it took the father out of the home for extended periods of time um, and then, of course, as inflation comes, which happens with all fiat currency, then you took the mother out of the home now. <laughs> and so both people are working and then the children are just defenseless to whatever onslaughts of information that come from wherever they come from. Um, That's a fact. That's a fact. That's why, you know, I think these type of conversations, Chinook, is so important because I think with black families, wherever you are, you could begin this process of trying to eat better, of making sure your children know about history. Because sometimes, you know, because my show, I'm a black man who was raised in the hood and I'm used to certain things, but I try my best to be conscious and read and just go in a particular direction so sure. things can get better. And I think sometimes we'll have black folks who feel like they're too far gone or their kids are too old, or maybe they feel a little, too indoctrinated with everything that's happened to us in this country. And I want everybody to know, man, it's never too late. No, it's never too late to start eating different. It's never too late to start picking up a book or 
even if your kids are a little older now, introducing them to things that can benefit them, right? Because at the end of the day, um, what you guys doing are, is is great, you know, but we need everybody to pitch in when it comes to attempting to liberate our people. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and I and 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 I the simple way to, to illustrate that is that you know we do markets and we do places all over Sacramento, and you know it's one of those things of uh, there's times where I've been to some of our uh, uh, black markets, and of course they don't necessarily sell the same as other markets. However, I don't think that that's on purpose. I think that it's a matter of education, mm. right? Because if you don't know why you should be buying something over something else, then then it makes it a little bit different. And then, of course, which is why we started to do the cooking classes is because many times that's not our traditional food, right? It's not our traditional food that we had uh, as we call soul food. So mm. learning how to cook kale or, or, or different types of things, um, you know, and the children not liking it, then it puts, you know, parents in a little bit of a situation to try to make those changes sometimes. So that's why we started to do the cooking classes, which we did in Oak Park, Oak Park Community Center in different places to then say, OK, you've got the food. Here's how you can turn it into a meal that's going to be easy. And this is a way to involve the whole family in the kitchen, you know, similar to how we did. And that's how then you start to transform the whole family unit from the inside out by just doing those things, eating at the table, everybody, all the time. That's a fact. And man, that's that's man, that it's unfortunate how for some of us that's such a foreign concept today. Not even taking because back in the day we used to eat at the table all the time together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now just taking one day a week maybe to sit at the table and eat, not realizing what happens when you do this. Like you begin to commune, like you guys begin to talk about things. As long as everybody's in the right energy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Shout out to, to my brother Keon Johnson. He had the fatherhood yeah, um, talk that we did in the backyard, and one of the most healing parts about that process because you know I'm excuse me, standing next to a man cooking, we, we both cutting onions, yep. onions talking about garlic. our kids' homework. You know what I mean? That's powerful. And not only that, well, and not only that, but it was a, an example of you don't always have to do all the pieces. Mm. If one brother does one piece and another brother does another piece, then we have soup. Then we have soup. Anything else is just you can have some garlic, you can have this, you can have that. But if you want soup, <laughs> you got to put all the pieces together. Mm -hmm. And everybody has to do something different, and everybody needs to be okay with whatever their role may be. Absolutely. Oftentimes, we're yeah. trying to do the same thing as someone else. Like they're so. See, I'm I'm so aware of all the messages in the the attempts that I see my brothers making, like the different programs that my brothers is putting together or the different events. All of this is to change our mentality because at the end of the day, if we don't figure out a way to, for one, love ourselves, it's going to be really difficult to kind of put love into your children, put love back into your community. So you got to find it and really start wherever you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, that's and that's another reason why um, I decided to specifically bring the agricultural piece 
um, because at the time there was a there was a couple of people that were doing some agriculture pursuits. But I, I felt like the experience that we had at home and I was able to see happen at home. I just wanted to share that that with the community. And, and that's where, you know, we started from. And that makes sense. Now, um, it seems like Sacramento as a whole mm-hmm. has pretty much embraced what you guys are doing. Right. Because I know because I've read about how difficult um it can be for black farmers not just in our city but just in general but it seems like you know sacramento has pretty much embraced you guys yeah um i think for the for the most part we have and people have embraced us but i think and 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 so we've almost had like three iterations of who we are like Mm -hmm. the first iteration was we're in the backyard with our children growing some food um, that type of thing. And then the other iteration was us as, okay, we're doing all these things in the community, but we weren't necessarily selling a whole bunch of food. And now this last iteration is we're about to sell more food this year or have more food this year than we probably had in all three years combined. And now we're coming out with, okay, um, we're going to have a CSA program where you can buy a food box bi-weekly. You'll get all of your veggies, all your fruits, seasonally as they come up and we'll be you know in that particular space along with recipes and we might even throw in some mushrooms and and you know it depending on who uh if we have it at the time we might even throw in some honey in the boxes Mm -hmm. so we're just moving in a different way now doing the same thing making sure people get good healthy food evolution evolution i love it and you 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 saying that made me think of something you mentioned before um Something I think is powerful when we talk about um, local politics, right? Because you mentioned, because I asked you, do you sell the food? Like, where do you sell it? And you was like right outside the house. But you mentioned it wasn't always cool to do that, right? No, there was, um, when we first started and, you know, of course, uh, trying to be law-abiding citizens, I was like, okay, if we're going to sell food in the front yard, let's see if there's any regulations or rules and what have you. And, and And so what we were told was, no, you can't do that. That's illegal. That's basically what the what the conversation was. And so um, after, you know, hearing that a few times, there was a coalition that was put together. And then that coalition consists of a lot of different organizations. And so the idea was we want you to make this legal so that farms like ours and then other farms that are now in, in, in the Sacramento area can be able to sell their food without any, you know, any any red tape or feeling like they have to break the law, that type of thing, just to be able to do this service for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, it was made legal um, in the city and the county. And so, you know, we're off. There we go. Got it. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful because, you know, I, I, I just did an interview earlier today with Mayor, with Mayor Hopeful, um, Dr. Flo Coffer, you know, a black mm-hmm. woman who's, um, in my opinion, going to be our next mayor. Um, yes. But we talked a lot about that, how locally sometimes we don't understand the power of coming together for a common cause. There are a lot of things locally that you can get done. Um, um, if you connect with the right people and have the right agenda, thing, things can actually happen for you. You know what I mean? Now, something Definitely. else I want to touch on before we get out of here, something you know mm-hmm. really important to me that we spoke about last time. Mm-hmm. Talk. Let's, let's have a re- quick conversation, Kanoka, about the importance of, because we're talking about um, growing plants and harvesting and planting seeds, all of these different things. Talk to, talk about the importance of doing this in the family setting, because me and you both have a familiar story yeah. of 
having an experience of, you know, having children that we love that may not live in our home yep. and having kids that we love that do live in our home. So talk to me about the importance of that dichotomy of, of, of understanding that, yeah, as fathers, um, we're going to do everything we can to be there for our children, but having them as close to you and around your actually home setting can maybe the best way to actually infuse the structure that you need. Right. Well, yeah, um, it, it, we all know how it goes. Uh, and, and if we can just look at any natural, any nat natural, natural environment, um, these sheep will not leave their mother's side. So they're going to be wherever she is. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and you don't leave, you know, children should always be with their parents. And that's the way that it goes. Um, unfortunately, relationships don't always work out. And when that happens, then, of course, you have, you know, children that may have lived with their mother. And then, of course, the father and sometimes father and mother have moved on and they have somebody new. And then the children are then mixed into that environment. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things of uh, it's it's not an easy situation, I don't think, for anybody. And I think that, you know, just for me, um, I always wanted to just cultivate an environment, you know, because that's mainly what you're doing when you're when you're talking about, you know, nature. You're creating an environment for everybody in that environment to be able to thrive and and be able to learn and to be able to do the things that they need to do. Um, and so it's it's very important to have the right type of messaging, you know, because you got to be able to co-parent to do that, you know, and, and if and if relationships are not completely closed and there may be, you know, someone who may feel like, uh, you know, I didn't get the right end of the stick or whatever, then those types of problems ultimately messes up the environment for the children. Right. You know, we're, we're adults. Uh, we're, you know, once we get to a certain age, we can kind of deal with, you know, getting called names and people get mad and we know we have to be emotional and things like that. But the way that those things impact children, um, they should be shielded from that at all points. And I know for me, when I grew up, um, I never knew if my parents were at odds with each other. I think I saw them, you know, maybe raise their voice at each other, maybe twice in, in the whole time that, you know, I was with them. And so, and then also what happened is that they never involved me in anything. It was always, oh, you're going to see your dad? Great. Mm -hmm. You're going to see your mom? Great. You should talk to your, when was the last time you talked to your mom? You better call your mom. Or when was the last time you talked to your dad? You better call your dad. There was no, well, your dad did this or your mom did this. And there was none of your, you know, there was none of those conversations that ever were filtered through me. That's and that's important. And I bring that up because, you know, I know a lot of black men who've had the privilege of being of raising their children in their home. Right. Yeah. But I know a lot of us who haven't. And when that happens, when that breakdown happens, is so many things that need to take place now to make sure it's still a fully functional unit and like the communication piece is big the understanding right. that one parent may live a particular like a completely different way than the other parent as Definitely. far as their home structure and their rules right. and really how they see the world it's right. really easier to circumvent some of these things when we're all under the same roof when we're right. not then it makes it a little more difficult and that's when more communication is required more compromise 
is required, right? And you know, absolutely. I know, and, and, go ahead. You know, and you know, uh, if you look at our ancient cultures, you would not have been able to do that. Um, mm. You would have had to continue to continue relations with whoever you were involved in, and you probably had to be in the same place um, because you know, of course, you know, the split is what causes that particular emotional damage, and then of course. It just compounds throughout the whole entire environment. Um, definitely. Definitely. So and, yeah. Yeah. And I know parents who maybe not intentionally doing it, but are ex like negatively affecting the kids because sometimes we should all know when we're talking about certain things, our children shouldn't be present, right? This, this is obvious, but I think some parents, especially young parents, like I have to say, they'll find themselves in situations where the kid may be in earshot, but maybe like we talked about before, maybe the kid's watching TV or playing a video game and you think they're not listening when you talking shit about the parent or speaking negatively about somebody in the family. Like yeah. to me, that's an energy that's in the home too. Definitely. So if, you're in the home doing that kind of stuff. Not only will they feel some particular way about the person you're talking about, but they're going to think that's the way to communicate. And that's not just negative, but that's that's um, not going to help anything in the long run. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because what you can't what you have to make sure of is that uh, that that children look highly on their parents, because if they don't look highly on their parents, then what happens is if they start to feel a certain way about their parents, that is going to reverberate through them because that is them. That's why we call it reproduction. We're trying to reproduce ourselves. And so this, you know, being part of something uh, that that created you and then you have somehow gotten an idea that there's something wrong with that in some mm -hmm. kind of way, then that also becomes something wrong with you. And then so then there's a lot of people uh, male and female who are running from wanting to be like something that they don't like because you know they've gotten an idea about their parent. One, this is a fact. Male or female. And parents need to realize that if your ex-spouse or the person you have a child with doesn't do things correctly, or quite frankly, if you think they're a piece of shit, I mean, eventually children they'll they'll figure out who they're dealing with. But and, and, that, and that's a good point you make, because if you have a mom who tells a young man that you're just like your dad, but it's a negative connotation, if you continually right. preach those negative connotations to a child, like you said, they may internalize that because, hey, that's my dad. But isn't that me, too? So subconsciously, yeah. I feel like you're talking about me. Yeah, it's it, it, it will be it'll be it'll be internalized and then it'll be weaponized and acted out in some kind of way. And the thing is, is that once again, I'm going to say this and I have to keep saying it is that we were not like this before we came here. We were not like that. We built with each other. We dealt with each other. We had the appropriate conflict management strategies in which you know, people go and get mad. You all, I mean, there's always going to be a disagreement with people, but it's about the conflict management strategies and how you go about doing it, which then you can you can prevent one little thing from blowing up everything and you can kind of contain it and then you can deal with it. So all of the things that we're dealing with, whether we're talking about, you know, 
uh, selfish and exploitative people, or we're talking about all these different things. We weren't like that before we got here. And so now that we've gotten what, 400 plus, 500 almost years of certain types of indoctrination, we have to do the best that we can. We Oh, you're breaking up, brother. Tim, are you still there? Oh, the brother, the, the brother's breaking up. I think he lost his connection. He'll be back in a second, but he's making a good point about that family. So that 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 makes it difficult for me at times to, you know, uh, you, you want to be hard on black folks. You want to be hard on your family and people around you who, you know, are operating through this certain mentality. But at the same time, we have to provide them a little bit of grace because of everything we've been through in this country. There we go. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you can go ahead, brother. Because, like I was just saying, you know, why, uh, why you was frozen, that it, it's it's a difficult situation when we want to condemn certain black people about our actions and how we're moving forward. You want us to be accountable, but at the same time, we have a lot of bullshit, frankly, that's on autopilot at this point, uh, uh, uh So, what can we do for our people who feel like when you see them, it's almost like they're an autopilot and they're comfortably, um sitting in this chaos that we have here in america oh oh i think he's i think he went out again he'll be back but but that's important right so you know because we have instances where you know i've been tough on black men who i who i consider a coon who may be doing something politically or coming out and saying something against us that may negatively affect us in the long run right you can look at a coon you can look at uh, 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 black women who do particular things to black men. We're looking at different sides of black people that we don't like, but a piece of it we have to give grace to because what if they're not steeped in the history? What if they haven't taken a step back and said, you know what, I'm a part of the actual problem Excuse me. instead of being a part of the solution when it comes to helping black people move forward? Because yeah, Excuse me, family. We want to help our family. Like that's always the main goal. And I, and I understand people who start with their family as far as if I'm going to empower somebody, if I'm going to put somebody in a position to be like better mentally. Yeah, I'm going to start with my children. I'm going to start with my woman. I'm going to start with my aunt, my cousin. I get that. And that's necessary. But at the same time, if you don't like the racism that we face, if you don't like the fact that we elect officials who it, it feels as if or it i'm sure by looking at it they're not doing shit for us specifically if you don't like how black people are being treated yeah vote for the right person yeah um look at these quote-unquote black leaders or black people in positions of power that may be able to help us yeah but what are we doing what are you doing yourself that's why kanok in israel family urban farm that's why what he's doing that type of person I have to introduce to my audience because doing for self is how this shit is going to change. Yeah, everybody doesn't have the capacity to run a business. I get that. Like I'm I'm beginning to learn that more and more. Everybody may not have the capacity to run an actual business. Everybody may not have the know-how to do certain things when it comes to an organizational function. Sure. But you can still be a part of something. You can still support something. If you know it's a brother like this, if you know it's a brother like this who has his own farm um and able to sell you some of the same produce that you'll get at a grocery store why not get it from him 
right? Why not get it from him? Why not tap in with him in the website? I'm going to give you all the website real quick because I'm not sure if the brother going to come back. Um, but we definitely had a great episode. Today we were speaking with the brother Kanok Israel from Israel Family um, Israel Family Farm. Israel Family Farm here. There, there he goes. You back? Okay. You back? Nope, <laughs> oh, I can't hear I'm you. back for now. Say, say something again. Uh, I'm, I'm on. Yeah, Testing one, two, kinda, three. Um, uh, it says low. It says low range. Chopping, computerized. Hold, hold on one second. Let me see something. Here, let me plug in my truck. I can turn video on. How's that? Yeah, but you sound real muffled. Yeah. Okay. You sound real muffled, brother. Hold on a second. Okay, hold on one second. Until he can get that back. Hold on one second. Until he can get that back. Put him off the screen here. But like I was saying, man, I appreciate my brother coming on the show today. And, you know, I'm going to spread more information to my family. I'm going to spread more information to my family about the Israel Farm in the website. Let me give you all the website real quick before we get off of here. Let me see here. Can you hear me? No, it's it's still sounding real, uh, real muffled, brother. Okay. Okay. Now, here, here I'm going to take him off real quick. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, so I'm gonna give everybody the information for the Israel farm. We'll go ahead and end the episode, but I'm gonna give everybody the information to the Israel farm. The website is israelfamilyfarmshop.net. That's I, that's I'm sorry, Y I S R A E L, family, F A M I L Y, farm shop, F A R M shop, S H O P dot net. Israelfamilyfarmshop.net, where you can get oranges, you can get different plants, you can get like sage and there's different um healing components that you can buy from their shop um different herbal essentials that you can get from the shop there's shirts and different things that they sell as well but they have like a herbal skin solve they have a white sage smudge um hair and body serum so a lot of different things that they offer man and they make all of this right inside of their home so this family is the epitome of the direction we need to be going in as far as the black community, you feel me? So this is your brother Harrison, man, Melanated Convo. I'm happy to be back for a brand new season. I'm happy to be back. Brand new setup. Brand new guests. We're going to keep this thing popping, family. Do me a favor and follow me at, um, at Melanated Convo 100 is the Instagram page. If you want to watch the show, you can watch it on YouTube or um, all of the digital platforms. That'll be Apple Podcasts. Um, Google Podcasts is going away, but it'll be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, is the two main places that you can actually find the show. This is your brother Harrison, Melanated Convo Podcast. Happy to be back for a brand new season, family. And like I said, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this earlier, but in a few weeks, I will be introducing a business spotlight program that'll give small uh, uh, black people who have small businesses, you'll have the opportunity to advertise your business on the show, either with a small advertisement that I can create to put at the beginning of the show, which will be a, um, you know, a few minutes, or you can actually pay to come on the show and do a maybe 15, 20 minute interview where really it'll just be you highlighting your products, promoting your products, whatever that product may be, we'll have it on the screen and we'll do a nice presentation of it. And you'll have that video in your possession. So you can use to, um, promote on Instagram or promote on your website or anything like that. You feel me, family? So this is your brother Harrison, Melody the Combo Podcast. I'm happy to be back for a brand new season. I'm out.